0: Whoa!
1: In the Eastern Christian churches, both Catholic and Orthodox, there are indigenous and ancient chants that are used in each of these churches. In other words, each church has their own chant, their own kind of music. And for the most part, this music is sung only by the human voice. Because it is an ancient chant in all these churches and an indigenous one, in other words, each Eastern church has their own chant. Because of that, somebody has to lead that chant. The people have to know the chant because the Eastern churches, their liturgies, are really dependent upon participation. That's right. They rise and fall, really, on the people, on the participation of the people, their responses. And so if the people don't know the chant that well, or some of them may be a little more challenging, they have to be led. And the Eastern churches, they're led by a person who, who holds another very venerable tradition in the Eastern churches, and that is the cantor. Now, before I go any further, I do want to say hello to a few people and thank them for their kind letters. We love hearing from everybody here on Light of the East. And if you want to email us, you can email us at taborlife at earthlink.net, taborlife at earthlink.net. We're talking about cantors and our music today. And speaking of that, I have a letter from a listener, and she is from one of our parishes that we consider to be our sister parish here at Annunciation. My parish here is Annunciation Byzantine Catholic in Homer Glen, Illinois. That's the home of Light of the East. But we have a parish that we identify with in Brampton, Ontario. And Alexandra Martin from there writes to us, As a Byzantine Catholic and parishioner at St. Elias, the prophet Ukrainian Catholic Church in Brampton, Ontario, I was hugely appreciative of your program today dealing with the sacrament of confession in the Eastern Rite. It was informative, and it beautifully illustrated the significance of repentance and the importance of the words, Lord have mercy. I've heard this message before at liturgy, but was so happy to hear it again and know it is being shared with the Roman Catholic Church. And by that, of course, she means through our program here, Light of the East, which expresses and communicates the riches of both lungs of the church, East and West, but in particular, the Eastern lung of the church. So we want to thank Alexandra Martin from our sister church in Brampton, Ontario, for her kind letter. But she also ends it by requesting a little more coverage on our program here, Light of the East, a little more coverage of our beautiful Byzantine liturgical music. And so we're going to do that today (laughs) at the request of one of our listeners. So thank you, Alexandra, for your kind letter. And above all, thanks for listening. We also want to thank Betty Dyer, and she is from Sacramento, California. She says, I enjoy your radio program. It is very informative. She says, my voice is calming, and your kindness is evident. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Betty. That's very kind. I'm very humbled by that. And she said, P.S., please pray for me and my son, which I will. So again, thank you, Betty, from Sacramento for writing to us, your kind remembrance and prayerful kindness. Also, we have Patricia Wagner from Utica, Illinois, and Patricia writes to us and she thanks us for our program, Light of the East, and also she mentioned hearing me give talks before on the theology of the body, which we mentioned from time to time here on Light of the East. That is something that I speak a lot about, and I apply to many of the issues of Catholic teaching, marriage, family, moral issues, and so on. And I do so out of the Tabor Life Institute to have me speak on any of those issues, or Even on the Eastern churches, you can contact us at TaborLife at Earthlink.net. TaborLife at Earthlink.net. So I want to thank you, Patricia Wagner from Utica, Illinois, for your kind letter to us. And thanks for reminding me that you had heard me before on different subjects, such as the Theology of the Body. So hearing from you is something we really enjoy here at Light of the East, and hearing is a very big part of the liturgy in the Eastern churches. So sound, music, chant is very significant. And truly, as I said before, the exuberance, the quality really of Eastern liturgy—now, it's not entirely dependent upon people, of course, because it's the Holy Spirit that is the operant factor at liturgy—but the overall experience of liturgy in the Eastern churches is very dependent upon the singing, the singing of the people. It's very, very participatory. And the people are guided in the Eastern churches by, as I mentioned, a venerable position, a venerable person in the church and in the parish, and that is the cantor, the place of the cantor. Churches also in the East use choirs as well, or small ensembles, or maybe several cantors together. But the cantor leads the people in their respective chants, in their indigenous chants. Now, the cantor does not dominate. It isn't solo. Now, sometimes there are chants which are very, very special, especially in my own church, the Byzantine church. There are chants that are very special, done on special occasions, the highest feast days. And there are certain chants that are a little more elaborate. So most people wouldn't know them. So the cantor, well, he sings them, and leads them. Sometimes it does it almost as a solo for practical purposes. But the music is supplied for the people, but sometimes it's a little bit difficult. So the cantor actually has its roots in an ordained office in the church, and that is the office of lector. Technically, a cantor is supposed to be a lector. The lector is someone who was ordained traditionally by the bishop, and it was generally a male. And oftentimes that level, the lectorate, was a level in which was kind of like a stepping stone towards the priesthood. You would be ordained a lector, then a subdeacon, then a deacon, then a priest, but not necessarily. The lector that ordination can stand on its own. Actually, all the ordinations can stand on their own. You could be a subdeacon and just remain a subdeacon. Subdeacon is the, basically, that's where the altar server, the altar boy came from. It was actually an ordained office for mature men who worked around the altar or the sacristans and the servers at the altar. Then there's, of course, the diaconate and also priesthood. So these can all lead to the priesthood or they can be just positions within themselves. A person can just remain as a subdeacon, elector, or deacon. In the case of a lector, that is the basis from which we get the modern-day cantor in the Eastern churches, and the lector was one who was qualified to, in the way that's worded is this way in the church, qualified to lead the divine praises. In other words, a cantor would be the person who would be knowledgeable about all of the divine office, and in Eastern churches, the divine office is designed to be prayed liturgically. In other words, in a church and publicly, you can pray it privately too, but it's designed to be prayed liturgically, which means there's going to be chant, constant singing. The Eastern churches like to sing unceasingly. So the cantor, the lector, has to be trained and learned. He has to understand the services, how they work, how they're put together, how they flow. He has to understand the chant. He has to understand the theology. And in The lector, and later on the cantor, was oftentimes in Eastern churches the person that was, I'll put it this way, second in command to the priest in the parish, because he was generally the most educated, other than the priest, especially educated about the liturgy and the chant of the church. And all that goes together, because in the Eastern churches, the chant is the theology. The theology is the chant. So the Cantor would have been by today's standards a combination of a singer, you know, cantor, reader, and director of religious education. <laughs> I'm kind of translating it into modern-day terms, but that's that's how qualified the cantor was traditionally in Eastern churches. Sometimes cantors are ordained today still but sometimes not, but the cantor as we know it in the Eastern churches grew out of the office of lector, which was an ordained office, or in other words, the reader. You had to be qualified to read as well, to read the scripture, which means you had to know the scripture, have studied it, have proper reverence for it in the way that you sang it and chanted it. And in fact, there's actually a way to chant the scriptures in the Byzantine tradition, my own tradition, the way to chant it in all the Eastern traditions, And it's important that the chant and the meaning of the words are woven together so that the word of God is communicated properly, adequately by the cantor. So the whole point of chanting is not only to embellish the words because these are precious words are the words of God, it's also a vehicle by which the words are communicated. Well, think about it. If you're standing in a church, especially some of the old, big, ancient churches, there's no sound system. You have to project and make that reading heard. So whenever you project and you speak fully with full voice, what usually happens? Usually your words, the syllables and so on, are extended. Just think about that. Whenever we yell, when we raise our voice, we generally extend the words. So The words had to be extended in order to be heard, so the cantor would extend those words by means of a chant. But the chant has to be done in such a way that the words at the same time are distinct. In other words, a cantor can develop a style where they emphasize the correct words, specific words in a sentence. Try this sometime. Take a scripture passage and look at a few sentences. Pick out the two or three words in that sentence that really give you the meaning of that sentence? If you just look at those words, would you have the basic meaning of that sentence? And most of the time, the answer would be yes. So that's what a cantor has to look for. He has to look at those specific words and emphasize them a bit in the way he uses the tone of the chant, the many techniques that cantors have to know and master in the Eastern churches. In addition to knowing the chant, the liturgical chant of the church, Cantors also have to know what were the spiritual songs, the hymns of a church. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about the venerable tradition of the cantor in the Eastern Christian churches. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the
2: story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya, and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian Spirituality, You're listening to
1: Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. More to Life is about living the Catholic difference in our marriages, our families, the way we approach life in general.
2: It's about celebrating life and our Catholic faith and discovering all the ways God wants to bless us. And help us be a blessing to others.
0: More to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're looking at the venerable place of the cantors in the Eastern churches. They lead the chant, not to dominate, not to be soloists, though sometimes they do have to sing and chant something by themselves because it's very complex and very special. Chants that aren't used that often throughout the year, only on special occasions. But as they lead the people, their main purpose is to help the people to lead the chant themselves, in other words, to participate. The cantor is there as a support, a leader, and a support. He's not there as a featured singer. And in order to be a cantor, as I mentioned, there has to be certain qualifications, which used to be the qualifications or requirements to be ordained as a cantor. Now nowadays, it's very difficult to. It's oftentimes very difficult to find cantors, or people that want to step up and assume that responsibility, because it's a very weighty position. You have to. Be prepared, you have to be consistent, you have to be reliable, you have to learn, you have to have musical ability, you have to know the theology, you have to know the services and the music, and a little bit how to actually do the chant, especially when it comes to, as I mentioned before, the readings. In addition to the actual chant of the services, many cantors in Eastern churches, certainly in my church, have to also know popular hymns spiritual songs that developed basically over time in the different churches, and they tended to develop in a local manner. Eventually, they were codified, they put into hymn books, and those hymn books have been passed down to us to this day. Now, these hymn books were starting to be put together as far back as, uh, well, a couple centuries ago. The most noted one for my particular church was put out actually in the early part of the 1900s, and what they did prior to that was they would actually pass these hymns down largely by ear. And they began to collect them because they didn't want them to be lost and they wanted others to learn them so they were sung consistently because they would vary from parish to parish, from region to region. So eventually they tried to collect them and they have been passed down to us, although many have been lost. Here's an example of one of these hymns, the spiritual songs from my church, from the carpatho ruthenian chant, and this hymn is called Bohorodso Devo in the Slavonic, which means Mother of God. It is basically the Ave Maria. It's the Slavic form of the Ave Maria, or at least the form in my particular church. And here is an example sung by the choir of Annunciation Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, the spiritual song to the Mother of God. As you can hear in the spiritual songs of, certainly of my church, which this last one was an example, you can hear a certain heartfelt dimension. These songs, these spiritual songs, developed out of the love and the fervor of the people in villages, and they would develop these songs largely for times when they were not in church. In church, they had a codified ancient chant, but they wanted more. Especially when, for instance, they would go on pilgrimages or make retreats, or just be working in the fields, or walking to church, or whatever. They would sing songs, holy songs, spiritual songs. And so you can actually hear in a lot of these spiritual songs the the heart, you know, the the humility, the sincerity, almost like kind of a, a sweetness. They kind of move you at the heart. In contrast, the chant of the church, the liturgical chant used in the actual liturgies, yes, it can move you from the heart, but it also moves you very deep in the soul, because it oftentimes has that character of a very, very, well, I guess I would just call it a very spiritual sound. Listen to this chant, and again, these are the chants that our cantors have to know, some a little more complex than the spiritual songs. These chants are led by the cantors of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, and they are from the service of St. Andrew of Crete. Hopefully you can get some idea from this chant of St. Andrew Crete how certain melodies can be very, very spiritual, very haunting in their beauty and their solemnity, but oftentimes very difficult. And that's why the cantor has to be very qualified. I want to send out a special thank you as a priest, as a pastor, to the cantors of my particular parish and annunciation, and to all of you who are cantors, or seeking or trying to be, to aspire to that lofty and venerable position. And let's pray for all of our cantors as we thank them for their fine service to our Eastern churches. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and
2: click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes...